Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by Culture at NL Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Culture NL Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian for Culture NL, and today's episode is going to be called Visions of Poetry. Thursday the 1st of October is National Poetry Day and we thought we'd get in a little bit early with some build-up for it by inviting a poem, a poet sorry, to come along to this episode and have a little interview with him. So we have managed to do that and the poet that we have managed to get a hold of is Niall Campbell who was a previous winner of the Edwin Morgan Poetry Award and we are very, very glad to have him involved in the show. So if... Without further ado, we'll go into the interview with him now. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Niall, for coming and joining our podcast today. It's a great honour to have you on our podcast. Um, I'll give a little bit of background for our listeners to to you, and you can throw in anything else that you want to put in, um, Niall, as well. Um, so you're originally from South East in the Outer Hebrides, and you have been published in various um, articles and magazines and anthologies and things like that, such as Granta and also the Best Scottish Poems 2011. Um, you've had two book-length collections published in the UK and one in America, is that right? Is yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and you're also the winner of numerous fantastic awards as well, including Britain's Biggest Poetry Award, Edwin Morgan Poetry Award, and you've been nomi- nominated for various other ones as well. Um, and you're, I also read that you're currently writing a libretto as well for an opera. That sounds fantastic. We'll maybe could touch on that a wee bit later on as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, so. I mean, you are pretty much a star poet in, 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 in my eyes after all that, um, winning those awards and things like that. Um, it's great to have you. So what, what got you into writing poetry to start off with, Niall? Um, to be honest, it was, it was pure luck. Um, I went to university with the idea of studying history and that, that was the kind of interest I had at the time, you know, leaving school and the Scottish system uh, means that you've got to, what they say, like fill up your columns, you know, you've got to make sure that yeah. you're, you're actually doing a wide, like a broad kind of a sweep of, of different things. And I took a, you know, entry level literature course alongside the history modules. And just from then, like kept it going into my second year. Then by the end of the second year, history seemed to have been pushed to the margins and it was literature I was more interested in. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was reading. I mean, it was just reading things, be it poetry, plays, novels. Um, and then just that act of being so engaged with what other people had said throughout time, you start to make little inroads and little footsteps into trying a little bit for yourself. Uh, so that's that's where the kind of the germ came from, just... It, started there and then eventually over the years just grew and grew from from that point yeah fantastic and obviously we've got a big day coming up in terms of poetry and national poetry day is coming up on the first of october um is that a big day for you um and and have you got any exciting plans happening for this year as well is it a big it's to be honest it's not something that um i would 
you know, do necessarily too much for. You know, I, I view it as a, a day for like reading and enjoying other people's work as a celebration of, you know, the art form that I'm interested in. Yeah. So there's nothing that I'm going to do necessarily. I might, you know, it's, it's a good day to be on social media because people are sharing a lot of different things, course, which yeah. tends to be quite interesting. So it's a good place to, you know, be introduced to new work. And I think that's that's one of the most important things about it. It's just about just people might stumble across a poem in the way that I did, you know, yeah. as an introduction to contemporary poetry, stumble across a poem that leads you to a certain poet, that leads you to poetry in general and like a, a broad readership. So yeah, I think it's more, I would just be keeping my eye out for what's going around on that day. Yeah, that's it. Uh, certainly a good tip because because it's a it's a big day. As like say on on social media, there there is there's a big push for it on the day, and mm. and it is a good way of of kind of easily discovering kind of new poetry, new poems, new poets, things like that, that you may not have came across before. So definitely a good tip there. So in terms of your own writing and things like that, you have in the UK you've had two book length collections published: um, Moontide and Noxury. Um, and um, Moontide won some fantastic awards, as I mentioned. It did win the Edwin Morgan Poetry Award and also a Saltire First Book of the Year Award as well. That must have been quite an exciting time for you whenever you were kind of getting all those awards and things. Yeah, the Saltire especially just because it was like open to all genres. Uh, you know, there was fiction, non-fiction, different things like that. And for poetry to actually win, you know, my poetry to win, it was just a shock to... And just quite nice to see poetry kind of punching up against the odds against the other kind of more established, more kind of mainstream genres. So no, yeah. it was it was certainly an exciting time. I mean, that was actually so the book came out in April 2014, and my son had actually been born in the month before, so March 2014. So it was just an absolutely wild time. You know, yeah. you're talking about different readings in different places very lucky to have these different award nights as well and then you've got everything that you're trying to learn how to do and you know cope with as best you can so it's just a, a bit of a bizarre like fever dream for about yeah a couple of years at least yeah I thought I mean like say that, that does sound like a, a bit of a time um uh, I know I, I'm quite a young father myself so I know mm. how, how difficult uh, or how not difficult but how uh, time consuming that can be and and, and obviously in terms kind of winning big national awards and things like that on top of that <laughs> must have been quite a, an interesting time for you for sure but for definitely um uh, both collections do feel quite um very personal to you in terms of the kind of life experiences or stories and things yeah. like that maybe experienced throughout kind of your life and stuff like that is that something that's quite important to you uh, when you're coming to writing your poetry and is it, and is it quite a conscious decision to kind of have that kind of personal side to, to your your poetry and things yeah, I mean, there's there's a quote that I generally like, fixate on by Zadie Smith, which is saying that she writes to stop herself sleepwalking through her life. <laughs> and it's just, I, I find that such a beautiful way of just saying, look, it's not necessarily that I consciously sit down and say, right, I'm going to write a poem about X or Y or Z, but it's to say that, you know, these are the things that are, you know, I'm dwelling over. What have I done, you know, well, or where am I, like, Falling short of what things have kind of interest me, uh, especially my time off with my son, and now afterwards, like what's kind of things that are going through my head most often, mm -hmm. and then you sit down and you start to unpack them and unpack them, and 
that's why I like poetry. It's a way of just giving due attention to your your own thoughts and your own life. Like in little, especially again, to, to go back to being a parent, when time-wise, it's such a limited amount that you've got to actually have to yourself. You know, you're talking about little snatches here and there. And to use that time, just to say, right, I'm going to pack some ideas and pack some images that have been going through my head and then you give it time, give it time and just unfolds into something else that you kind of want to share. Yeah. Um, I, I was reading something else and I can't remember who the quote was by, but it was saying everybody starts off writing personally until the point that they become everyone inside the art that they're doing. And it's just about, yeah, burrowing in my own life, my own kind of experiences but that I think might be important or might have an element that other people might share. And that, that's important for me more than anything. It's the connection with other people, you know, working away by yourself in a you know lone room and yet trying to connect to people from that point. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think, like you say, that most writers kind of do write from that kind of sort of personal point of view to start off with it. At mm. least we can. And I suppose that's a kind of natural thing for anyone to really do because that's what people kind of, have have experience and know best mm. and, and which I would imagine kind of helps the kind of writing process a little bit in terms of of kind of being able to kind of write about more about what you're kind of doing and things like that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about Moontide then? Um, it's uh, and the inspiration behind it, how the collection came about and but when did you realise you'd kind of managed to write enough kind of content to kind of create a sort of book length collection for the first time? Um, I mean there was Right, when would I say? I think the first poem from Moontide was written around about 2008 or so. And it, like I did a, a master's at St. Andrews in the creative writing um, department there. And so that was 2008, 2009. So that for me was really formative. As much the tuition there was incredible because you had Don Patterson, you had Kathleen Jamie, Robert Crawford, John Burnside. I mean, mega Scottish poets, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it was, I lived in Glasgow at the point, but moved to St Andrews for the year. And there was just seven of us on the course and we didn't know anyone else. And so we just bonded together. And all you did was talk poetry, write poetry, read poetry. You know, it was an incredibly um, important time because it was just so intensely focused on that one thing. Um, and then from, from then, it was just whenever I could, just write write poems here or there, try and get them published, go into that little thing. And 2013, um, I won the Poetry London Prize. It's just for an individual poem, yeah. or a poem called The Letter Was Arrives at Its Destination, which um, basically kicked everything off, really, because from that, Blood Axe Books got in touch to look at a manuscript they said yes and then from not having a book you know in the space of you know three four weeks the book was going to come out in I think it's about six months seven months you know so it just went from zero to a hundred it was it was absolutely fascinating to see it just go um so yeah it was again didn't have too much time to dwell or to think or to overthink sometimes it was just a case of here's some poems um and it just felt right and it just all kind of 
It's funny. It's, it's interesting you mentioned that the the letters always um, arrive at its destination. I I was actually having a look at the two collections just earlier to kind of mm. try and pick out what I think is my favorite one. And and from inside, I would actually probably put that as as my favorite one actually from that collection as well, which which is quite good. Um, and um, I just kind of I, I I like the kind of the the kind of sort of content behind it and things like that. It actually made me kind of think of a personal experience of. Of, uh, of of something similar to the content on it of of the kind of like messaging bottles and things like that sort of stuff. It it was a strange one because actually I was thinking about how and when it was written and it was written in um so I grew up on South US and then I've been on the mainland since and my wife and I um were living in Leeds at the time in the city centre and that was written in a little one bedroom flat overlooking a really uh dilapidated dodgy car park <laughs> sometime in the <laughs> afternoon you know and I was reading this other book I'll talk about it a little bit later but um and just the image came of something else and it came about you know childhood and um you know bottles and apps and everything else and then this poem started to be written and it was almost like an antidote to everything else that was outside the window but yeah it was it was quite unusual to think of it being written in an environment completely divorced from the imagined environment of the poem itself. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I suppose whenever you read, you kind of do maybe sort of imagine you kind of sitting there, kind of at the time, kind of experiencing that. And, and, yeah, by the year or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do Do you want to give us a? a, a do you have, would you Would you mind giving us a little reading from from maybe a poem from? from of course, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, think, I'll, read, I'll read that one there. So. Okay. The letter always arrives at its destination. Um, there's a there was a book called Enjoy Your Symptom um, by Zizek, I think it was, and this this um, this line appeared in it. So the letter always arrives at its destination. Okay. An idea behind it was um, from uh, Lacan to say it doesn't necessarily arrive at its intended destination, but it arrives at a point that becomes its destination. So it could be misplaced, it can fall short, it can get lost somewhere. But by ending up what it does, it becomes important in and of itself. And that just, I don't know, it just immediately connected with, yes, being young on the islands. And I mean, to grow up on the islands now, you know, you can get to the mainland semi-easily and most people probably do it very regularly. But the mainland, even Glasgow or Edinburgh, we travel there once a year for yeah. about a week. And so we were cut off completely. We, you know, it's in, in, and that's a quality in and of itself, but we felt our isolation as a kind of strange and magical thing, but that you still wanted to connect with this broad, imagined world outside. Mm-hmm. And so those two things, this quote and then this memory, kind of all came together to this poem. So the letter always arrives at its destination. Then I wrote often to the sea, to its sunk rope and its salt bed, to the large weed mass slipping the bay. The small glass bottles would be lying along the bedroom floor, ship green or church glass clear, such envelopes of sea mail. Only on the day of sending would a note be fed into each swollen, brittle hull. I had my phases. For so long it was maps, maps of waderness, 
burrows and foxes' dens. Maps where nothing was in its true position, my landscape looming from the surf. Later, I write my crush's names onto the paper as a small gift. Caps intested and wax sealed. None ever reached my dreamed America, its milk-white shore, as most would sink between the pier and the breakwater, and I would find that I had written about the grass, the drowned sand again, and to the sunken dark had sent all the light I knew. Fantastic. Uh, I really, I really, really love that poem. It's, it's a fantastic one. Definitely, definitely stood out for me as, as one that definitely my favourite from from that particular collection. It was fantastic. So thank you for doing that reading there. That's no good. problem. Um, but we have a wee kind of chat about your next one as well, Noctuary. So yeah, um, it's inspired um, by, as you said earlier, by you being a young father and things like that. And and as a young father myself, as I said earlier, I, I do find it quite amazing that you managed to get be so creative <laughs> under those circumstances because it, it is a full time job on its own being a dad. Yeah. So so how how on earth did you manage to find time to, to kind of write a whole poetry collection at the same time and get it published as while being a young dad? How did how did that come about? <laughs> Again, it's, I keep, my life seems to be a, a story of luck, but it was extremely fortunate because. Um, so yeah, Soren was born in, in the March and I'd basically I'd been working just like an odd job um, before that and I was quite conscious I wanted to save up some money and just stop when he was born. Um, and so I was off, my wife and I, and I was just about out of money and I was looking at hey, what sort of work I'd be able to do that would allow me, um, my wife was going to return to work, so that would allow me as much time as possible with him. Um, and that's when the Edward Morgan Poetry Award happened. So I was like already scouting out jobs. And then the Edward Morgan was like 20,000. Um, and so I portioned it off to last about two years. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what I would try and do, I mean, you just go through little phases. For, for a while, I was trying to write from about 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., was kind of my time have a little yeah. coffee and then he'd be up for his night feed or whatever around about one or two so you'd do that and then off to sleep and then just you know sleep through the day as, as little partners go uh but i collapsed in public uh because it was just too much you know <laughs> what I mean? so yeah i i uh, had a indignity of that and it was just to be honest it was just working away and just working away that the collection itself is quite short. My, one of my main conversations with the editor when I did put it in was him just saying, do you not have anything else? Do you have any other poems? And so I, I had to get another couple of poems in there. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. But again, it was one of those things that, you know, that attention to life, that focus on what you're doing, um, it made me want to write. You know, and certain yeah. things did come up and appear and, it was it was really important uh, i felt um and yeah just lucky i mean it still is difficult my son's now six and um this it's sometimes strange to read these poems again from him being so young and remembering god oh, all these things did happen you know it seems again like some dream from from far away because yeah. these poems again were being written 
just around when Moontape had come out, so 2014, 2015, 2016, 96 now. And it's yeah. still that little battle of where do you fit in writing? You know, it's not going away. Yeah. It's yeah. just still there. Just how, where do you put it in? How can you manage to make it fit in your life? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I think will be really fantastic is the fact that he'll be able to look back on that in, in sort of later life and, and know that he was the kind of inspiration behind quite a lot of it as well, which which is lovely. Yeah, I, I don't know how you'll feel about it. You know, you never know. You know, they might go through different phases, obviously, the teenage phase of being wildly embarrassed uh, <laughs> or, or hugely embarrassed. But you'll hope in the end, yeah. Or even, like, if he has children himself, you know, the fact yeah. that there's this book that was about him that he can then pass on it it might just be interesting to see where that goes yeah definitely is is there any particular standout poem in it that that stands out to you as kind of the sort of of main one for it there's there's not particularly one main one i mean i do quite like reading um the last poem in the book um if only because it seemed to tie up so many different loose ends from um that it, the book ended up being about. So if if, if you want to, I can read that one just to give a wee bit of a sense. But, yeah, um, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Essentially, it's a it's towards the end of when I was writing the book, and again, Sonny was um, was was a bit older. He was three, uh, approaching four at the time, and biologically, you get used to being up late. You get used yeah. to, you know, waking in the night, night feeds, whatever else, uh, and doing those sorts of things. And then all of a sudden, your kids start sleeping through, and, you know, they start to sleep through 8 till 7, 8 till 6, or 8 till 5, or whatever it might be. And you and your body, you know, are used to a certain way and used to being needed at those times in the, uh, in the, in the middle of the night. And yet you're no longer needed, but your body's still awake. And I went through a phase of not sleeping particularly well, just it seemed a strange crossroads of learning to be awake at a certain time, and then all of a sudden that need of it not being there. So this poem is called Good Night. No curtain should be open at that time, but ours weren't drawn, and the cold world looked in. Three years into his life, come to the window, sleep hadn't found my door again. So up, I watched the morning's morning open out, the frosted ground clean as an envelope. Awake, so tenderly awake, I felt like the lamp lighter of some old city, the city's lit. And the crowds disperse. So much was love, so much was work. I took the small spark post to post. I cradled it and let it guide me to my darkling house. Good morning, here's the brightness in the dawn. Good night, here's love like a faint snowfall. Good night. Yeah, that's right. It's a fantastic ending to the to the, the collection for sure. It's, it's a lovely it's a lovely kind of ending to it. No, it's I mean it's it, it was one of those I just 
when I'd written that, I just, I, I pretty much instinctively knew that's right. That might be a quite a nice one to just end on as we good night as a as a little gesture, and then closes, and then that's it. You know. Yeah, probably. It's a it's a lovely ending. Um, and what well, the, the next thing I wanted to kind of touch on with you was obviously the last few months have been a strange times for everybody and the whole of the world, basically. Um, um, has that inspired you to kind of be kind of writing anything in particular? Obviously, because because you have kind of written in the past about the, kind of your own personal experiences, and obviously you will have had your own personal experiences of, of lockdown and how that's kind of went for you and things like that. Is, is there any chance of like a kind of lockdown inspired collection coming at any point? Has, has there been any kind of t- time for writing in, involved in, in, the, in that time? You know what. Uh- there's not, <laughs> and I don't know what, why that would be, unless it's just a case of just too focused on just surviving, you know, um, rather than kind of pushing anything too too yeah. too creative on that side of things. You know, I think you know my son being off school, differences, you know, with my wife's work and my own work and how we go about it. It's been. Um, it's just been about that balancing act and just trying to make sure that right you all um you know are calm and stable and everything else through all of this and um i've probably written less partly in terms of poetry partly because a lot of my energy is going into this libretto that i'm writing as well yeah. so it, i think it's just been i think partly a mixture of family and support on that side of things but the other side of it being just yeah. for, especially through the summer, there's a big period where I had to get uh, a finished draft of this libretto. So I was just focusing on that, and that, and that, and redrafting it consistently throughout. So I've written a few pieces here and there because I, I got some time to myself, but um, nothing too lockdown inspired just at the moment. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, that's something that could always come potentially at a later point as well. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I take a, I take a while to mull on things. So to be honest, it'll probably be about, you know, two or three years. In the same way with Eust and the, the letter was arrived at the destination being written near the car park, you know, yeah, maybe at some later point where everything's fine and everything's, you know, good and happy-ish again. Yeah. And then I'll start thinking of that time we're all locked down. You know, sometimes you need yeah. that distance and that... Um, time to reflect and things like that on it and how absolutely and, yeah. and, and the contrast of right now being different to then and that kind of sparks something in the friction between the two so I think maybe maybe later but but nothing I'm still you know I'm still up there kind of thinking at the moment about it yeah so, so we've mentioned the, the, your libretto a little bit uh, a couple of times now. So, what what are your plans for the future? I think that is kind of the, the sort of main focus of what you're what you're kind of doing, um, and uh, for, for at the moment. So, so you want to give us a little bit more about that and let us know a little bit more how, what's happening with that. Yeah, of course. I mean, again, um, this basically goes on the model that um, uh, Auden worked with Stravinsky on on a on an opera called. The Reek's Progress. He did a few others, but that's one of the prime examples of a uh, more recently mm. of a poet making quite a good librettist uh, and helping write for music and bringing along the ideas. Um, and so that's where the project kind of stemmed from. Uh, mm. So I'm working with a composer called Anna Appleby, and I'm doing it through Manchester 
Metropolitan University, and she's at the Royal Northern College of Music. And this is a project between the two institutions and those two individual artists. So it's it's been really interesting because it's a case of doing something properly collaborative for the first time. I mean, again, yeah. with, with a poem, you're there to your own whims. You go into your room and you just let the poem or the thought dictate itself. Yeah. Um, and yet with this, it's a case of getting to know each other, getting to know the, the history more properly. So what are you working inside the traditional? What are you working against the traditional? Um, it's been fascinating. It's been really fascinating. And in the way that poetry was a little door that opened when I was about 18 to 19, 20, something those lines, no part of my life beforehand, just all of a sudden it was there and the door, you walk through it. It's been quite similar with opera. And it's just this fascinating world that I hadn't appreciated fully before, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so no, it's, it's, been fast, uh, it's been fantastic. So I've finished the first draft and um, Right now, it's a case of um, working down the second draft because what tends to happen is the librettist, particularly the poet librettist, will write something far, far, far too long. (laughs) 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 We like our words, so you you do as many words as you can and you get into the flow of things. But the point is that the music picks up so much and so it doesn't need to be said because the music is the other thing that's speaking at the same time as the words. Yeah. So it's a case of just thinning down what's already been written to get something that, yes, the words will speak, the music will speak, and harmoniously they will bring the story to life together. So, yeah, that's that's where I am at the moment. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the idea is maybe two more years for it to be ready uh, because, again, the complication that we need to finish the libretto and then it will go to the vocal score and the orchestra score as well. So, so a few more stages to go. Fantastic. It sounds fantastic. And it really, it really kind of quite a, bit, a little bit different from, from what anyone kind of would sort of maybe expect as well a little bit. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a nice, unusual project to kind of get involved yeah, in. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't expect it before it happened. And it was just, again, all of a sudden it was there and just go for it. You know, especially I like the fact that I would never have dreamt of doing anything like this when I was younger, you know? Yeah. This completely different life that seems to have just unfolded. Uh, so yeah, absolutely went for it. Brilliant, yeah. Well, uh, all, all, all the luck with that and going forward because it sounds like a fantastic project. Um, finally, I think what I thought we'd maybe touch on a little bit um, finally is um, for anyone out there who maybe doesn't know a lot about kind of poetry and things like that, are, are there any kind of young Scottish poets uh, or even or, or even kind of poets in general that you would kind of maybe kind of highlight to people and kind of recommend like you were saying that kind of poetry days are nice day to try and kind of find these things well, yeah of course well, who would you kind of point people in the direction of what would be your kind of favourites your favourites um, I mean in terms of new uh, let's do the Scottish side of things first I mean yeah. Edwin, Edwin Morgan Poetry Award they just had a um, it's every two years, so there's 2014, yeah. and 2016, 2018, 2020. And even just to look through their pamphlet, uh, they do a pamphlet as part of the award, and it's incredible. I mean, it's just genuinely one of the reasons um, it took actually a little while for the award to get up and running after yeah. Evan Morgan passed away because um, 
his will dictated that the award, I think, be set in a particular way. And the idea that one person gets 20,000 and then there's four people who get 1,000 each, I think mm-hmm. the organisers perhaps had hoped that uh, there would be a way to make it a little bit even, like an Eric Gregory Award where everybody mm-hmm. gets the same amount. And it's, it's there to serve the same function, to support you know, um, aspiring poets. Yeah. Um, but he wanted it to be there to take some of the shine away from London. You know, he wanted it to be particularly a huge amount just so that um, by being a large amount, it gained focus and gained focus yeah. to Scotland. Yeah. And I think it's succeeded hugely just because it's opened up all these poets coming out that might or might not have applied for an Edwin Morgan. They think, well, you know, I'll apply for it. Uh, sorry, apply for Edwin Morgan. And some of the recent um, Roseanne Watts, particularly excellent. I was reading in the uh, the pamphlet from this year, a guy called Colin Bramwell, who thought brilliant poems. Um, so yeah, it's, it's certainly something to look at. I think if you go to the website, you'll see little bits about each um, shortlisted and each, each winner. Um, more broadly, um, yeah, again, some, some lovely work. Zafra Keneal, who had um, a book out with Faber a couple of years ago now. Uh, who else have I enjoyed recently? Rebecca Goss. Um, yeah, there's, there's been a number there. Vijin Ravintharan. Um, who's another, he's a stable mate of mine in Blood Axe. And he's, again, just a fantastic writer. I, I tend to prefer, like, more lyrical types. John mm. Glenday, I mean, he's, he's, John Glenday is funny because he's a Scottish poet that is a little bit outside um, the mainstream a little bit. I mean, he published by Picador, but I think the way he goes about poetry is, is there on the poems on the page, and he tends to pull himself as a person a bit to the sidelines. Um, but I just think, again, if there's poems and poets, um, he, he's up there. Don Patterson he, I mean, and Kathleen Jamie. I mean, these people from that were formative for me still, I'll go there. Alice Oswald as well, if, if I'm to name one last one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. They've got a lot of great names there for, for people to have a look at if they get a chance to. And and National Poetry Day would be the, the perfect day to kind of for people to kind of have a good good look at that and, and and have a good kind of search about and see what they can find. So so hopefully we'll we've inspired a few people to go and, and have a look about and yeah. find some, some new poets and new new poems for them to kinda of listen to. Um but that, that's all that's all my questions that I have for you Niall so thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today it's been great fun talking to you and great getting some insight behind the poems um, and, and also the readings which are fantastic as well so thank oh, you very pleasure. much for that that's great no thank you very much no, I, and thanks for inviting me to have a little chat about things and uh, yeah thank you brilliant And there you have it, guys. Thank you to Niall for coming and chatting with me. It was great fun to get a little bit of an insight into his collections and get a chance to speak to him. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as well. His two book-length collections, Notchery and Moontide, are available on your BorrowBox service to either loan or reserve. So do have a look at that and possibly download them. What a great way how to get involved in National Poetry Day by downloading and reading some of his poems if you can get a chance to do that. 
Do try and get involved in National Poetry Day online as well. It's a big thing on social media. And on Twitter, the hashtag for the day is hashtag National Poetry Day. And the official account for National Poetry Day is at Poetry Day UK. So do try and have a look at that and watch out for any content that's going about. You never know what you might discover. You might discover a new favourite poem, even a new favourite poet. And there's lots to get to get involved with. And so... That's all for us just now, guys. Um, do remember, you can leave your feedback about the podcast using our own hashtag FLB, hashtag FLB podcast or by dropping us an email to librarypodcast at culturenail.co.uk. But watch out for more episodes coming soon and we'll speak to you again soon, guys. So bye for now. Bye.